Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. As you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, We are continuing in our sermon series on relationships titled The Blessed Mess, and I am excited to study God's Word with you this morning. Our lives are lived within the context of relationships. Uh, As Christ followers, we have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with ourselves. We have relationships with uh, one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have relationships with all those God has placed in our lives. Our lives are also influenced by the condition of our relationships. In many ways, we go as our relationships go. Therefore, we must embrace God's rule and reality for our relationships. The rule for our relationships is vertical before horizontal. Jesus told us the greatest commandment in all the laws is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. The second is like it, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Our vertical relationship with God must be priority over our horizontal relationships with one another. If we flip this order, we invite trouble into our relationships because we begin to ask our relationships to meet the needs that only God can meet in our lives, vertical before horizontal. The reality of our relationships is we are broken people in relationship with broken people. Though we've been saved by God's grace through our faith in Jesus, we battle each day with the sinful desires of our flesh. We think, say, and do things we shouldn't think, say, and do. Each one of us is a work in progress spiritually. Praise God for his delivering, forgiving, rescuing, saving grace. Amen? God uses our brokenness and our relationships to remind us to depend on him day by day, to remind us vertical before horizontal. Since we want thriving relationships, and I think all of us would answer to the question, uh, do you want thriving relationships with a resounding yes, we need God's ingredients in our relationships. And so the next ingredient we're going to look at in our series on relationships is love. Love is a small word that packs a big punch. John is the author of the letter First John. John in scripture uh, was known as the disciple who Jesus loved, which signified the close personal relationship that John had with Jesus. Not surprisingly, John emphasized this importance of love, this this love that we're going to talk about. John emphasized the importance, the necessity, the power of love in his gospel and in his letters in the New Testament. And so as we look at a passage this morning, we're going to see three reasons for this ingredient of love. John gives us three reasons for this ingredient of love in our relationships. Our relationships are going to thrive 
one of the ingredients that we must have in our lives and relationships is love. And so the first reason he gives us is love is who God is. Love is who God is. Look at 1 John 4. I'll begin reading in verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, John wrote, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love means God is loving in who he is. Love is not all God is. We know God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. God is true. John told us in chapter 1 that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. John focused here in chapter 4 on the truth, the reality that God is love. Love is who God is. We know what love is because love comes from God because God is love. The second reason that we need this characteristic, this ingredient of love, is love is what God does. God is love means God uh, is loving in who he is, but God is also loving in what he does. God is love means God is loving in all that he does. God's conviction is loving. God's correction is loving. God's discipline of us is loving. God's encouragement is loving. God's forgiveness is loving. God's grace is loving. God's judgments are loving. God's teaching is loving. God's rebukes of us are loving because God is love. All of God's answers to our prayers is based out of his love for us. When God answers our prayers with a yes or with a no or with a wait and grow, we can be guaranteed that that answer is based on his love for us. Now, at times we think to ourselves, well, I sure wish God wouldn't love me so much because I don't like the fact that he's saying no to this request. Or I don't really feel God's love because he's told me no, and I really, really, really want this. And though this may be true at times from our perspective, it does not change the truth that God is love. And he's loving in all he does. We must continue to remind ourselves that God's ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways and thoughts higher than our ways and thoughts. And so John is telling us, if we're going to have thriving relationships, we need this ingredient of love. Love is who God is. Love is what God does. John continued here in verses 9 and 10 and shared with us more about this love. John wrote in verse 9, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son in the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Listen, the greatest demonstration of God's love for us, of God's love for you and God's love for me, is he sent his son Jesus to earth to rescue us from our sins. We were once dead in our sins and transgressions. We were separated from God because of our sin against God, and we had no way to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. God loved us first. God took the initiative in loving us by sending his son Jesus to us. Paul agreed, and Paul said, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus took our place on the cross, and he paid our price for sin. 
Jesus offered himself as the once for all sacrifice for sins, the righteous one for the unrighteous ones, us, to bring us to God. And so we know and understand Jesus satisfied God's demand for a perfect and holy sacrifice to be made so that we who are imperfect and unholy could be made right with a perfect and holy God through the perfect and holy sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We receive forgiveness of our sins by the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. We enter into a relationship with God by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, and in his death, burial, and resurrection for us. Love is who God is. Love is what God does. Every aspect of your life, every moment of our day, every aspect of our relationship with God, we can trust, we can know, we can understand that that relationship with God is built on his love for us. All his communication to us, with us, is out of his great love for us. So since love is who God is, love is what God does, John continues and he shares the third reason uh, for this ingredient of love, and that is love is what God wants us to do. He continued in verse 11, dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. Love one another here is in the present tense an active voice. What that means is God wants us to be active in loving one another today, every day, all through the day. So as John said, if or since God loved us in this way, if or since God sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and we know he did, we therefore also must love one another. We must love one another. It's our privilege. It's our joy. It's our honor. It's our responsibility to love one another. Now, we need to make sure we understand God's teaching here about this love before we really go off track uh, in our time in God's Word and in our lives and relationships. The love John wrote about in this passage is agape love. It's not eros love, which is romantic love. It's not phileo love, which is brotherly and sisterly love. It's agape love. Agape love is the love that is emphasized in the writing and teaching throughout the New Testament. Agape love is unconditional. Agape love is sacrificial. Agape love is selfless. Agape love is others-centered, not self-centered. Agape love gives and gives and gives, and it never stops giving. Agape love gives even when it is not received and it's not returned. It continues to give. This is the love that John is writing about here. This is the love that the New Testament teaches us. Agape love is the love God has for us. This is the love that God has for us. The love I just described, that's God's love for us. God took the initiative in agape loving you and me. 
God sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God has lavished his agape love on us in Christ Jesus. This is God's love for us. It's God's love for you. It's God's love for me. John will later tell us in verse 19 in chapter 4, we love because he first loved us. This is awesome. That means God's love for us, which we just finished singing about in our worship through song, this means God's love for us is unconditional. It's selfless, it's sacrificial. God's love for us is others focused. That means it's focused on us. His eyes are on us, his ears are open to us as the righteous ones in Christ Jesus. It means God loves us and he continues to love us and he continues to give and give and give and give and pour and pour and pour his love out for us in Christ Jesus. He's never going to stop loving us in Christ Jesus. There's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. There's nothing we can do to make God love us any left. God, less God loves us. End of story, period. But here's the beautiful thing about God's love. He loves us too much to leave us the way we are. His love for us is so great, he wants to make us more and more like Jesus. God's love is agape love for us. So agape love is the love that God has for us. Therefore, agape love is the love God produces in us. Paul told us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. As we walk by the Spirit, as we demonstrate our faith in God by our obedience to God, as we humble ourselves before God, as we surrender to him day by day, he produces the fruit of love, this agape love. He produces it in our lives. God's agape love is far greater than our love. God's agape love is far greater than our love. Our love is the love we produce and give in our strength. We can all love, every one of us. Those who know Jesus and those who don't know Jesus can love and, and do love. Our love is the love we produce and give in our strength. Here's the reality, though. Our love is compromised because we're compromised by our sinful flesh, by the sin that still resides inside us. And so we understand and know then our love, the love we produce and give in our strength, is conditional. Our love is circumstantial. Our love is easily turned from others-focused to self-focused, from others-centered to self-centered. Our love is prone to stop giving until we get what we want, when we want it. Our love will stop in a moment's notice. As God makes us more like Jesus, we love more like Jesus. Agape love is the love God has for us. There's no doubt, no question about that. Agape love is the love God produces in us. Praise God he does that for us. Agape love is the love, third, that God wants to go through us. Agape love, this love that he's producing in us as we walk by the Spirit day by day, God's point in producing it in us is so that it would overflow from us and pour into our relationships. He produces that love in us 
to bless us, certainly, but he produces that love in us so that we can just overflow in our love for others and blessing others so that we can't possibly keep all that love to ourselves. So it just seeps out of our pores and just pours into our relationships. You see, God wants us to love those we know and those we don't know. God wants us to love those we want to love and those we really don't want to love. God wants us to love those who love us, and God wants us to love those who don't love us. God wants us to love those who are easy to love, but God also wants us to love those who are anything but easy to love. And so we understand and begin to realize why this ingredient is necessary for thriving relationships. God agape loves us and he wants us to agape love one another. Now there are many reasons for us to rejoice in this passage that John has just shared with us. Let me just give you two real quick. The first reason we can rejoice as we study and look at this passage is we know what agape love looks like. We can rejoice because we know what it looks like. We have a guide to use when it comes to loving one another God's way because God has told us what agape love looks like in his word. We have an example to follow when it comes to loving one another God's way because God sent his son Jesus to incarnate this love that we're talking about. And so we know what this agape love looks like because we know and have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. We know what the scriptures teach us about Jesus, who was love incarnate. We also know what this love looks like because God has told us what it looks like in his word. Turn to your left real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, there are many, many passages we could look to. We could turn to John 13, and we could look at the passage where Jesus knelt down and he washed his disciples' feet, which was an amazing demonstration of his love, this agape love in action. We look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and the apostle Paul wrote this amazing description about what love is and what love does. This is agape love in action. When he talks about love in chapter 13, he's talking about agape love. We can rejoice because we know what agape love looks like. This is what it looks like, beginning in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Agape love does not envy. Agape love is not boastful is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable. Praise God for agape love. And agape love does not keep a record of wrongs. Agape love finds no joy in unrighteousness. But rather, agape love rejoices in the truth. Agape love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Agape love never ends. Now, while you're looking at this passage, don't move. Keep your eyes on this passage. I want you to stop, and I want you to understand this reality. This is the agape love that God has lavished on us in Christ Jesus. As you're looking at this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, this is the love that God has for you and me in Christ Jesus. But this is also the love that God wants us now to lavish on those in our relationships. This is the love that he's producing in us, and this is the love that he wants to overflow from us. He wants us to lavish this on all those that he places around us, beginning with those closest to us, beginning with those we're sitting right next to this morning. Think for a moment as you look at this description. 
Think for just a moment how blessed, how powerful, how impactful, how amazing our relationships would be if we filled our relationships every day with the agape love of God. Wow. Just think for a moment how blessed we would be if we were pouring this agape love into our relationships. That is God's desire for you and me. And we can rejoice as we look at the passage in 1 John because we understand and know that we have this truth before us that helps us to know, okay, this is what agape love looks like. So if God wants to produce this agape love in me, and if he wants it to go through me, that means I've got to be patient. That means I've got to be kind. Agape love means I'm not supposed to be irritable. I'm not supposed to be boastful. I'm not supposed to envy. I'm not supposed to be self-seeking. I'm not supposed to be irritable. It means I'm not supposed to be irritable. And it means I'm not supposed to be irritable. That's what it means. This is amazing. God's agape love. We can rejoice because we know what agape love looks like. Thriving relationships run on God's agape love in and through us. But the second reason we can rejoice is we can love God's way. We can love God's way. We know that we can love God's way because God has called and equipped us with the power we need to love his way. Power is one of the ingredients for thriving relationships that we identified a couple of weeks ago. God calls and equips us to be his disciples. God calls and equips us to be his followers. God calls and equips us to be his servants. God calls and equips us to be his witnesses. We can love God's way by God's power in us. Jesus told us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit of God who lives within us from the moment of salvation empowers us to live God's way and love God's way. God always always, always equips us to fulfill his call on us. Think about it in this way. God called us to love one another with this agape love. So what does God do? He called us to love one another. And so he fills us with this agape love for one another. And he fills us with his power so we can agape love one another. We cannot guarantee those in our relationships will show God's agape love to us. We can't. As nice as that would be, we all know that that's impossible. We can guarantee that we show God's agape love to all those in our relationships. We can guarantee this because this love is being produced in us, and this love is going to be empowered through us by the same Holy Spirit who produces it and empowers us to pour it out to those that God's placed around us. So what is our application? 
Our application today is real simple. Love one another. It's real simple. Love one another. You want your homework for the day? You want your homework for the rest of the week? Love one another. Now, the greater question is how do we love one another? And we can certainly talk about many, many different steps to take to love one another. I just want to focus on two this morning. The first is this, look up. Look up. The first step to loving one another is look up. We must look up. Loving one another is a choice we make every day all through the day. We therefore must look up to God for his help every day all through the day so that we can love one another. We need his help as we start the day. We need his help throughout the middle of the day. We need his help as we end the day. As the psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We must look up to God. We must humble ourselves before God on a day-by-day basis throughout the day, knowing that he will lift us up in his time. We must trust in the Lord with all our heart. We must lean out on our own understanding. We must think about God in all our ways, knowing that he will make our paths straight. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow after Jesus. We must seek God first. His kingdom, his righteousness, his will, his purposes, his ways, his desires. We must look up to God. We are strong in the Lord and in his vast strength. God's grace is sufficient for us and his power is perfected in our weakness. As Jesus reminded us, he's the vine, we're the branches. If we remain in him, he will remain in us and we can bear much fruit because apart from him, we can do nothing of spiritual significance. Listen, God must be first. God must be first. God must be first. If we want to love one another God's way, if we want this agape love of of God that is being produced in us to overflow from our lives into the relationships that God has placed around us, God must be first. There's no other way around it. We must look up to him every moment of the day. We must look up to him throughout the day. He must be first. Why? Because our enemy bombards us with his arrows of deception, of doubt, of division, of discouragement, of disappointment throughout the day. I'm sure you understand this as well as I do. We can be in the middle of enjoying peace and love and harmony and unity in our relationships one moment and then face anger and confusion and chaos and conflict and disunity in the next moment. I mean, it can change with a word, with a look with a grunt. It can change. Our enemy is prowling around us like a roaring lion looking for any one of us that he can devour. Our enemy is a liar. He's the father of lies. That's his native language. When he speaks, he can only lie. There's no truth in him. So his whole philosophy uh, philosophy is he has to hope and trust that we will believe his lies rather than standing on God's truth. And we have the spirit of truth in us. And we know the way, the truth, and the life. And all truth comes from God. And so we understand and realize our enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy us in all of our relationships. 
So as we look up to God, he empowers us to walk by his spirit. He empowers us to resist our enemy standing firm in the faith. He empowers us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. He empowers us to take God's escape route out of every temptation that comes our way. He empowers us to be able to love one another God's way. It's so basic, it's so fundamental, it's so foundational, it's so simple, it gets old when we stop and think about how we talk about this all the time, and yet it's so vitally important, God must be first. We must look up. Because what happens more often than not is throughout the week, we get up in the morning, or we get up from our desks, or we get up from whatever it is that God calls us to do, and we get up from uh, the congregations that God has placed around us, and we oftentimes just charge out on our own. We don't stop to spend time with the Lord in prayer. We don't stop for that fill-up that we desperately need each day. Or if we stop for that momentary fill-up in the morning, we stop, we don't stop again throughout the rest of the day. And at some point in time, what happens is we are now running and living on our power, not God's. We're running and living on our wisdom, not God's. We're running and living in our strength, not the Lord's. And so we're not dwelling on God. We're not looking up to God. We're not agreeing with the psalmist who said, I'll lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Instead, we're just grinding with our nose to the ground, and we're trying to get through the day. We're trying to get through the meeting. We're trying to get through the conversation. We're trying to get through the work week. We're trying to get through the sale. We're trying to get through whatever the case may be in our workplaces, in our homes, in our friendships, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, whatever the case may be. And we wonder why we're frustrated. And we wonder why we're exhausted. And we wonder why our relationships just seem to keep failing. They, they get going and then they, they stop. And we take two steps forward and it seems like then we take five steps back. Could it be that a big part of that reason is we're not looking up. We're not looking up. Though we may start today, and praise God, we have that opportunity. We start today looking up. Listen, that's great, but that's not going to last throughout the day. It's like the guy who prayed, dear God, I, I thank you for today. I thank you that it's been a great day today. I thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for your strength. I thank you that I've not gotten upset with anyone. I thank you that I've not, got, I've not been mean to anyone. I thank you that I've not said anything I shouldn't say to anyone, but God, in just a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed, and I'm going to need a whole lot more of your help. Great way to start. We got to continue it throughout the day. That's what it means when the scriptures say we're walking by the Spirit. We're continuing to walk in that humility, that dependence, and in that power that produces this agape love in us so that it can overflow from us. The second step is real simple then. We look up, and the second step is we love out. We love out. When we look up to God, we are able to love one another his way. When we look up to God, we want to love one another his way. When we look up to God, we want to go first in loving one another. 
God wants us to take the initiative in loving one another. He doesn't want us to sit back and wait for others to take the initiative with us. He doesn't want us to sit back and wait for others to go first in loving us. No, he wants us to take the initiative in loving one another. Why? Because this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He went first with us and he wants us to go first in loving one another. That's the agape love he has for us. That's the agape love he produces in us. And that's the agape love he wants wants to go through us to those around us. He wants us to go first. So we look up to God and we love out for God. That means this, go first in being a blessing to others. Go first in pouring yourself out as a sacrifice in service to others. Go first in doing to others as you would have them do to you. Go first in seeking forgiveness from others when you offend them. Go first in showing forgiveness to others when they offend and wrong you. Go first in reaching out to others. Go first First in communicating with others. Go first in listening to others. Go first in ministering to others. Go first in making peace with others. Go first in meeting one another's needs. Go first in praying with one another. Go first in praying for one another. Go first in speaking God's truth in love to one another. Go first in rejoicing with those who rejoice. Go first in weeping with those who weep. Go first in helping others know Jesus. Go first in helping others grow in Jesus. Go first in helping others go for Jesus. Go first today. Go first every day, go first all through the day, because that's God's way for us to love one another. Go first. Go first. Look up, love out. Listen, our message is love. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Our mandate is love. Since God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. Our motivation is love. We love because he first loved us. Our ministry is love. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. We minister to one another as we love one another. When those who don't know Jesus see the agape love of God in us who do know Jesus, they want to know more about Jesus. And that's exactly why Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. There's that if. We look up so that we can love out. The good news for us this morning is God's steadfast, unshakable, faithful, immovable love for us never ends. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. We can give thanks to the Lord because he is good. His love endures forever. God's agape love changes us, changes others, and it changes our relationships. And so as we look at this ingredient this morning, we understand and know this isn't our love. This isn't a love that we can produce. This isn't a love that we can understand. This is a love that we can grasp and, and deal with on our own. No, no, no. This is a love that is produced in us by God.
And this is a love that is empowered to go through us by God. What our part is, is, is we, we've got to look up so that we can love out. Because the truth of the matter is relationships are work. Relationships are work. You know this as well as I do. Love is work. I love what Paul said to the believers in the church in Thessalonica. As Paul was commending them in his letter to them, in his first letter to them, he commended them among other things, and he commended them because of their labor of love. These believers had turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and their testimony was spreading throughout Macedonia, and everywhere people were hearing about the love, the labor of love of these brothers and sisters in Thessalonica. Love, this agape love, this ingredient of love, as it pours from us into our relationships, it requires labor from you and from me to depend on the Lord, to trust in him, to look to him, and then to love out. But it's in the loving out, even as God empowers us to love out, and he does, as he empowers us to love out, we still must work with everything in us so that that can continue to flow from us. Let's continue this morning. Let's renew our commitment today, throughout this day. This week, let's renew our commitment to look up to God so that we can love out for God. We will be blessed. Our relationships will be blessed. And we will be able to be a blessing to all those God places around us. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this invitation time. and God's speaking to us. And he wants us to respond. God when God speaks to us, he always speaks to us and he desires a response from us. That response is always based out of faith and trust in him to obey him. And that is where the responses become more individualistic because what God may be saying to you may be different than what God's saying to me or others, but listen, God's speaking to all of us and he wants all of us to respond. For some, that response may be salvation today. As you've heard, that greatest demonstration of love was simply that God sent his son Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus took our place and paid our price for sin so that we can escape God's wrath and judgment and eternity in hell separated from God. Because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we have the opportunity to receive forgiveness of sins and enter a relationship with God by faith in Jesus. He's alive. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. So there may be some this morning, and that may be your response, is to say yes to Jesus. Our prayer partners are standing here at the front. They would love to introduce you to Jesus. I'll be standing here at the front. You can leave this place changed from the way you entered this room. Receiving God's gift of salvation by faith in Jesus. But God may be speaking to some of you in different ways. Maybe it's to come and kneel and just rejoice in his love for you. To rejoice in the beauty and the blessing and the power of his agape love that you're experiencing in your relationships. That you're experiencing in your marriage. That you're experiencing in your workplace. That you're experiencing with your children. That you're experiencing with your brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ. Maybe today is just a day to sing and shout and rejoice in the Lord. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to grab a brother or sister by the hand and to come and to pray 
and to ask God to continue his work of producing that love in you because quite honestly, you're, you're struggling to, to show that love to that particular person. You know who that person is. You know who those people may be. And God may be calling you once again this morning. Love them, love them, love them. But first, you got to look up so that you can love out. Maybe God's calling you to just renew your commitment to look up to him. Whatever the Lord is sharing with us, it's from his love for us. It's best for us. And he longs for us to respond by faith and obedience to him. Our prayer partners are here. We're here. Let's respond to the Lord in obedience. Let's stand and worship him this morning.